You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. And the Jazz have advanced to the second round, and nobody's talking about it. We are, though. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts. We are there. Thank you for being here. Please hit that subscribe button. Check out the description for the, the timing of segments. You can bounce around if you if you so desire. Um, but, guys, we're talking all about the NBA playoffs again. Obviously, we're in full swing. First-round series are starting to wrap up. The Jazz are one of those. I was at Game 5 last night. I uh, went with my brother and my nephews. It was super fun. Uh, so I actually didn't see a ton of the other games. I did, you know, catch up later on, check out the highlights, box scores, things like that. But we got to start with the Jazz. Nobody's talking about this. The Jazz have the best record in the NBA. They just scored 75 points in the first half, blow out the Grizzlies to win the series in five games to advance to the second round. And nobody's talking about it. The first team in postseason history, in the history of the NBA, the first team to have 17 or more three-pointers in four consecutive playoff games. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about anything they're doing. I don't get it. It's like they don't exist. And it, I get that we're a smaller market. We're not the Lakers. We're not you know, even a, a, the size of the Dallas Mavericks, which, of course, they're also playing the Clippers, which is Los Angeles. So big, bar, big markets. Um, but the disrespect continues for the Utah Jazz. And I think it's a joke. And there's a, there's a phrase that you've probably heard that the Jazz need to live by. It needs to become like the team slogan right now. And that is that they need to be so good that people can't ignore them any longer. Be so good they can't ignore you. Be so good they can't ignore you. That's what the Jazz need to do. And they have a chance in this next round. They're going to face yeah, the, the Clippers and the and the Mavericks is just getting wild. I've flip-flopped back and forth. I actually was going to bring my flip-flops in. Um, I forgot though, but that series is, I don't even know what to expect. The, the home team is now 0 and 5 in that series. It's really bizarre. I, I mentioned the world series I went to a couple seasons ago with the Astros and the nationals where the home team lost all seven games. So the nationals ended up winning the series in seven. I went to two games back in Washington, DC nationals lost both of those, but they win the series by winning all four games in Houston. So very bizarre. Um, that's more more expected in baseball. Very unlikely, very weird in basketball. But it feels like we're going down that path. Um, the series now shifts back to Dallas for a closeout game. And we'll get into that. But that series is just so, so back and forth. I don't even know what to expect. The underachieving of the Clippers is truly remarkable. I mean, truly remarkable. How much they're expected to do, how much they're consistently favored, and they don't do it. But... Back to the Utah Jazz. The game last night was, was I mean, I predicted that we'd win by double figures. We did. Uh, we were up by 30-plus at one point. It was a complete blowout from start to finish. 75 points in the first half. Um, Donovan Mitchell at halftime had 26. He finished with only 30. So he only scored four points in the second half. But he didn't need to. Like, we had, we had the game was over by the end of the first quarter. The Jazz ran away with it, shot lights out. And you know what's funny is I, I felt like we were playing so incredibly well. Well, we shot, I've got the box score pulled up here. We shot right on our season average from three. The Jazz shot 38.6% from three. That's right where we average for the whole year. If the Jazz can just do this, like they've done all season long, there's no question they can move past this next round, past the Mavericks or the Clippers. I've said all season long 
The team that scares me the most in the West for the Jazz is the Lakers, if at full strength. We'll get into that series as well. There's a good chance they end their season tonight. But at full strength, they scare me the most because they've got two of the five best players in the league in LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's just very hard to compete with. They're not fully healthy, though, and so that changes everything. Um, the Clippers would be the next, you know, the team I fear the most uh, after the Lakers, but I've said all along, we can beat the Clippers. We can beat the Mavericks. We can beat the Nuggets. We can beat the Suns. Um, Suns obviously would be a tough out as well. But to me, the Jazz are right there as the best or second best team in the West behind just the Lakers when at full strength, but they're never at full strength, it feels like. You know, they haven't been all season. So that's why they're suffering as the seven seed, trying to get past the two, and it's it's going to be a, a steep hill to climb. But the Jazz played seemingly insanely well last night. But then you look at the numbers and you're like, no, this is what we did all year. This is how we became the number one seed in the entire NBA. This is what the Utah Jazz do. Ball movement, open threes, ball movement, open threes. Rudy Gobert. I watched Rudy Gobert, and this guy, not only does he get, how many blocks did he have? I think he just had two or three blocks. Let me see here. He had three blocks. Three blocks is great. But you watch him alter shots. Guys going into the lane, and John Morant went in one one play. I remember he goes in, and he fakes. Doesn't Rudy doesn't really go for it. Stands up tall. Pivot, pivot, ball fake, pivot, ball fake. And he's just like, I give up. It was a play where... Anyone else, maybe in the entire league, is down there against John Morant, and John Morant takes that shot. Against Rudy Gobert, he was like, I ain't doing it. I'm going to get blocked. So the three blocks show up in the stat sheet. What doesn't show up in the stat sheet is the number of shots that Rudy alters, the number of shots that he gets people to not even bother taking. You know, the shoot your shot thing. You can't, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Rudy's enforcing that. He's enforcing them. To not even take the shots. Don't even bother. Like, don't waste your time in here. Kick it back out. Try again. Um, so, to me, Rudy Gobert's impact. He was a plus 23 last night. Donovan a plus 30. Uh, you get into some of the bench guys. Jordan Clarkson, by the way. I know people are high on Jordan Clarkson. I know he won six man of the year. I know he's, you know, kind of some instant offense. But he's like a 40-something percent shooter. He was 9 of 20 last night. 3 of 12 from 3. And he was a minus 10 in a game that we won by 16, and we are up by 30-plus at one point. He was a minus 10. So I like Jordan Clarkson. Um, he's obviously a very crucial part to our success, but he's, he's I don't know. I, there's something about his game, his ill-advised shots, his missing of wide-open you know guys that he's just head down dribbling, doesn't see them. There's stuff like that where I'm like, I wish he would just hit the open man a little bit more frequently pull back on his shot selection just a little bit, trying up his percentage to like the high 40s, at least like 47% from the field. Um, three of 12 from three, come on, you know? Um, a minus 10 in a game that you blow the other team out. I'm looking at the box score. There was a minus nine by Forrest. He played four minutes though. So of guys that actually count, you know, guys that really truly count, nobody was a minus. I'm looking at this. Derek Favors was a minus three with 12 minutes of playing time. Of anyone that got at least 15 minutes or more playing time, not one of them was a minus except Jordan Clarkson, and he was a minus 10. So I like Jordan Clarkson. I do. I'm not hating on Jordan Clarkson, but I, I don't think he's quite what what he's hyped up to be within the Jazz organization. I, I like his, his offense, but sometimes I think the ball sticks with it. Not sometimes. The ball sticks with him too much, and personally, I'd rather see Bogey go off for 24, 25, 26, you know? Um 
You know, Bogey last night was six of 14, three of six from three, 17 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals, was a plus 20 in the plus minus, you know? I'd rather see Bogey getting a few more shots than Clarkson, personally. I'd like to see two or three of Clarkson's shots, you know, get pulled back, give them to Bogey, give them to Ingles, uh, you know, spread them around. You know, Clarkson doesn't need to be taking 20 shots. He just doesn't. That's, that's, that's just how I feel. And he did play pretty well last night, nine of 20, 24 points. But again, three of 12 from three-point land, um, four turnovers, minus 10 in the box score. So, I don't know. That's just that's just my opinion on him. I've, I've watched him a bunch this year, and it feels like he's different can be good. He's different than the rest of our play. He's a little bit disruptive where when he's not in there, I mean, that ball, like I've said, it's hot potato until somebody's open for three, and boom, we drill it. When he's in there, it kind of turns into ISO, one-on-one, dribble between your legs, turn around, step back, stuff like that. And clearly that's what Snyder wants him to do. Coach Quinn Snyder wants him to do. Clearly the team's on board with it because he keeps doing it and he keeps getting a lot of minutes. And it, I mean, and he is good. 24 points, that's good. That's good. Um, I just think that it takes away a little bit from our strengths. I'd like to see, again, I'm not saying don't shoot at Jordan Clarkson, don't create your own shot. That's what we need. We need guys to create their own shot. I just would like to see him take two or three attempts off of each night and hit an open man. You know, swing the ball around one more time, hit the guy streaking down the lane, things like that. Uh, there's there's been transition plays that he's missed, and so that's all I'm saying. Two or three shots, Jordan Clarkson, just take two or three of them, remove them. Your percentage will probably bump up because those are the shots you're missing anyway. Hit the open man. You'll score the same number of points. Your shooting percentage will rise. You'll get a couple of assists. Everybody wins. So that's what I'd like to see happen with Jordan Clarkson. But the Jazz advance, uh, gentlemen sweep. They lose game one without Donovan. Just dominate the series after that. Uh, Mike Conley only played 12 minutes. There was a little bit of a scare there, I guess. Um, I think it was hamstring soreness or something. So I would imagine he's totally fine. And they're just being like, nah, this game is in the bag. If you are even remotely sore, you're not going back out there. This series is in the bag. This game's in the bag. And the next series uh, is going to be much tougher and we get some time off. So let's just sit you out, make sure you're good. So I'm sure he'll be totally fine for game one against the Mavericks or Clippers, whoever it ends up being. Um, other things, though, from last night's game. The atmosphere is phenomenal. It was a near-packed house. And by the way, the Jazz just announced this morning for round two, it will be at full capacity. Full capacity. That means right behind the players. The players are going to have to go back to sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder at six foot eight, you know, 220 pounds. Um, have to go back to sitting there. Fans will be everywhere. It's going to be amazing. It was basically capacity last night, but not quite. A lot of the closer down uh, next to the court seats have not been, you know, have not been filled. Um, but very excited. Full capacity for round two. And the atmosphere was just electric. It really was. They had these lights, you know, um, kind of, what's those, like the zip ties? They were zip tied to all the, the poles all around the, you know, the arena in the bleachers. And I was, we were looking, I was like, what is this? What, is the, what are these lights that are, you know? And then they were all synchronized to like for different cheering and different moments. So, you know, it's just uh, obviously the t-shirts on every, uh, on every seat and color coordinated. And, you know, the hype video was so-so. I'm not going to lie. The hype video wasn't all that great. Um, but Ryan Smith, you know, there was the, there was the issue with the, the racist comments towards John Morant's family, his dad in particular. And there was a great message up on the video board about how that's not going to be tolerated. That's not Utah. When you come to this arena, you represent the Jazz. You represent Utah. And 
Uh, we can be the loudest, but we can also be the most respectful. It was really, really cool message. Like it really hit, like it really, it really landed. I think with everyone, everyone was cheering, excited. And you could tell the majority of people there are good people that, that, that aren't racist, that aren't trying to be disrespectful in that way. And they want people around the country to know that Utah isn't that way, even though we've had some, some rogue people, you know, with some isolated incidences that have shown otherwise. And that's the stuff that gets picked up by the media and, and run with. And so great video, you know, kind of just, it was silence and it was just a black and white screen with some lettering and a quick message, no audio, uh, just, you know, showing, Hey, look, this is not us. This is not Utah. We're not going to stand for this. And it really landed and it was amazing. There was a moment of silence for Mark Eaton, also amazing. D Wade and Ryan Smith are front row as the ownership group. And I'm looking at, you know, I did a whole podcast about how D Wade has changed everything for the Utah Jazz just by his presence, you know, uh, in the ownership group. And last night I was seeing that. I'm seeing Donovan Mitchell interact with him courtside. I'm seeing Jordan Clarkson interact with him courtside. And I'm seeing fans very much care, like, what's D Wade doing? What's D Wade doing? Like, he brings cool to the Jazz. That's what that's the that's Utah's biggest hurdle in getting free agents is is it cool enough? Is it fun enough? Is it great enough? Well, now you've got D Wade, who's super cool, saying that it is, saying come here. Now you've got a three-time NBA champion, one of the greatest shooting guards, I would say the third greatest shooting guard of all time, mentoring in a sense, at least, Donovan Mitchell, our shooting guard, our rising star, who's got a lot of D-Wade in him. Um, you think of, you think of, I mean, I don't know if this is happening or not. I would hope that it is. But I'm thinking of like pregame pep talk stuff. Like let Quinn Snyder be the coach and do his thing, but bring D-Wade in there for a little pep talk. He's a three-time champion, not far removed from playing. He's 39 years old. I mean, he just played just a couple years ago. He was winning titles just a few years ago. So let you know the, the the things that D Wade can bring to the table. He's there courtside cheering. He's bringing a championship mentality. He's bringing the cool factor. I would hope that we could land some you know one more solid free agent as well as continuing to develop you know our our uh, core that is so good right now. But I just love the atmosphere in general. Again, seventy five points in the first half, twenty six for Donovan. He finishes with a double double, which is rare for him. He had ten assists, thirty points, and six rebounds. Uh, the Jazz have a 47-point first quarter, 47 points in the first quarter. The media is not talking about any of this, none of it. I just watched an entire sports talk show, and it's all about the other series. Like the best, the team in the NBA with the best record, not getting mentioned, 75 points in the first half, 47 points in the first quarter, not mentioned. First team in NBA history to get 17 or more threes in four consecutive playoff games, not mentioned. Defensive player of the year, not mentioned. Sixth man of the year, not mentioned. Three all-stars, not mentioned. Mike Conley against his former team, eliminating his former team, not mentioned. Wild stuff that they're not bringing it up. So we are bringing it up. Um, Dylan Brooks, by the way, the villain of all villains for the Utah Jazz. I mean, it's he's not even really a villain. He's very easy to not like. Uh, the whole crowd is booing every time he touched the ball, which I found to be hilarious. Um, but he's not really a villain because he's on a team that's like not really even a challenger to the jazz. Like we knew this series was going to be an easy one. I thought it would be a sweep. Uh, we, we lost game one cause no Donovan and because we probably overlooked him, but we ended up winning the series in five pretty, pretty handily. And afterwards he, he was definitely an agitator and a trash talker, but afterwards I did watch him, uh, Dylan Brooks and Mike Conley were actually like talking and smiling and laughing and gave each other a little bro hug. And so I was happy to see that, but, um, you know, he did, he did it. He did surprise a lot of people, Dylan Brooks did. Even last night, um, 
Dylan Brooks uh, had 27. He led he led his team in scoring. He tied with John Morant, who also had 27. Nine of 18 from the field, three of five from three, five rebounds, three assists, and again, 27 points. So Dylan Brooks can ball. Uh, he's just annoying and easy to not like, but he can ball. I'll give it to him. But the Jazz advance, and now the question is, who are we going to play, the Clippers or the, or the Mavericks? I've already talked a little bit about this. I've talked about my flip-flopping. Everybody's doing it, though. The Clippers just get chance after chance after chance after chance to prove us right, and they keep proving us wrong. Like, they're favored in every game. They're favored in every series. And last year, they blew a 3-1 lead, didn't get out of the second round. This year, they're losing to Luka Doncic. They're not losing to the Dallas Mavericks. They're losing to Luka Doncic. It is literally Luka versus the Clippers, and Luka is winning 3-2 with all three wins coming in L.A. And Paul George is underachieving. Kawhi Leonard has had some great games. Um, and Porzingis has pulled a full-on Houdini act on the Dallas Mavericks. He has just, poof, vanished. David Copperfield, whatever magician you want to think of, he's gone. Completely a non-factor. He did hit a clutch three down the stretch last night. I did watch the fourth quarter of that game. Um, but it is literally Luka versus the Clippers, and Luka's winning. It's 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 incredible. Like, And I don't know how the Clippers keep fooling us. I include myself in that because I keep thinking, like, well, they're going to win. And even now, I'm like, yeah, they're, they're probably going to win game six, and then they'll be back in L.A. for game seven. Like, that's what I'm thinking. But, like, why do we think that? They 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 keep not doing it. Why would they do it now? Um very interesting stuff, but Luka is clearly the best player on the court in this series. And that that's a series that includes Kristaps Porzingis, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. And Luka is far and away the best player in the series. It's really not even close. And I thought, you know, going into this season, watching Luka last year, I told, I was on the record saying, I think Luka's MVP within the next couple of seasons, maybe next year. And this year, he kind of had moments of that but didn't really live up to it it almost felt like he had I wouldn't say he digressed at all but the the acceleration of his improvement tapered off kind of plateaued off a little bit this season it felt like and now we get to the playoffs in his 11 career playoff games he has four 40 point games the only other player to do that in NBA history Michael Jordan I mean what he's doing is truly truly remarkable um, he's not sh- proving to be the best closer like last night he finished pretty poorly he had a turnover at the very end that honestly should have should have ended up winning the game for the Clippers if you saw that play uh you know there's just a handful of seconds left and Clippers get a steal because of a kind of errant pass by Luka go down and end up missing a layup they, they pass on a wide open layup Terrence Mann dishes to Nicholas Batum's coming down the middle of the lane and he misses a uh, you know real little bunny and should have should have honestly won the game for the Clippers but it didn't Luca also I think he only scored two points in the fourth quarter he was like one of eight uh did not play well in the fourth quarter and I remember watching him and thinking like this is I mean he's I'm looking at the box score he's got 40 something the guy scored or assisted on all but six baskets for the the Mavericks scored or assisted on every made field goal except six of them two of those were when he was sitting out so when he sat out he played 42 minutes he sat out for six minutes they made two field goals okay two when he was in the game all but four of those made baskets were either his or he assisted on them so i'm going to pull up that box score because i do have it right here somewhere so again getting back to the houdini act by porzingis he was three of six, no foul shots, eight points. Porzingis scored eight 
points. He is a, a former all-star. He is a guy getting paid a whole bunch of money. He is a guy that is, I thought this was going to be a fantastic one-two punch. Eight points. Luca scored 42 points, took 37 shots, 37 shots. Uh, but he was 17 to 37. That's not bad. Just under 50%. Six of 12 from three, though. Very impressive for him, especially. Uh, and 14 assists. 14. So that's 31 shots that he either scored or assisted on because he made 17. He assisted on 14. That's 31. They made 37. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> pretty remarkable, honestly. Um, but it's just him. It's him against the world, man. 42 points and 14 assists. That's just incredible. He was a plus 15. They won by five. He played 43 minutes, actually, 43. So he sat out for five minutes, and in those five minutes, the Mavericks were outscored by 10. In five minutes, they were outscored by 10. <clears throat> in the 43 that he played, they were a plus 15. That is wild. Um, so I'm going to admit, even though I'm saying Luke is the best player on the court, uh, and he definitely is, I think he's an MVP caliber player. I th he's going to win an MVP. I think he's going to win multiple MVPs in his career. The kid's like 22 years old. Um, I still, <laughs> I still would rather play the Mavericks than the Clippers as a Jazz fan. And I, I, I don't even know what to think on this series. I've gone back and forth so much. John Heath was texting me. He's a loyal listener, good friend of mine. Texted me like, you think we'll for sure play the Clippers? And this was after they'd come back from 0-2 to tie it at 2-2. And of course, I got right back on that Clipper bandwagon. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, Clippers for sure. Like 90%, I'm 95%. I can't remember what I said, but it was in the 90s. 90% chance, 95%. And now I'm like, ah, they're down 3-2, game six is in Dallas. You know, so I don't know what to expect here. It's like, can Luka continue to carry the team by himself and beat the Clippers by himself? Porzingis just needs to go get us 15, Porzingis. Go get 20. Go get go get something, you know? I mean, Porzingis, eight points? Eight? Like, what are you doing out there? Eight points. It's, it's just crazy. So end of the game, Kawhi gets the ball in the corner uh, for a potential game winner and our game tying shot I think it would have been and uh shoots an air ball and Rondo kind of looked like Rondo kind of let him have it as they were walking off the court um you know and uh I don't know what was said it hasn't been I mean it's been shown but nobody really knows what was said I tried to read his lips couldn't really read his lips his facial expression looked pissed though Rondo's that is um so I don't know what to take away from that but Kawhi is not a guy that uh, I think would handle that very well this Clippers team is just underachieving. If they lose, it's it's over. Like, this team's getting blown up for sure. And even if they win this series, it's like, I mean, all they're showing us is that they can't get it done. Like, they, I mean, this is, you look at this on paper, Dorian, Finney, is it, Dor I don't even know his first name. That's how much of a non-factor he is. Yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., Boban, Porzingis, and Luca. Okay, I mean, then you look at this Kleber, Brunson. These are the guys, I don't even know. I'm seeing a first initial and not even knowing what it stands for. Jay Brunson, okay? Jalen Brunson, 12 and a half points a game. Pretty good, actually. Um, Maxi Kleber. I mean, these are the guys that the Mavericks have. And then you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, uh Marcus Morris, Zubats, Rondo, Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, zero minutes, but somehow was a minus two. So he played something. Anyway, on paper, the point is, on paper, this is a series the Clippers should have won in five, which is what I predicted. 
Uh, and now they're on the brink of elimination. So who freaking knows? Um, okay, other NBA series real quick. Trey Young and the Hawks knock out the Knicks last night. Trey Young takes a bow after hitting like a super deep three that was just, I mean, the game was already over. The series was over, but he needed to shoot because there was still plenty of time left and he wasn't just going to go shot clock violation after shot clock violation. So he shoots a deep one, hits it, and the crowd is actually standing up cheering, but they're cheering. It's in Madison Square Garden. They're cheering to thank the Knicks for making the playoffs, basically. They realize the season is over. Thank you for making the playoffs. Thank you for being the best we've seen in several years here in Madison Square Garden. So they're cheering for their team and their season as it's coming to a close. Well, (laughs) um, Trey Young hits the deep three and then goes to half court and takes a bow, you know, (laughs) like like he's a performer. And he said after the game, hey, look, there's a lot of shows around here. I know what they do at the end of the show when the show's over. I thought that was just a super baller move. I loved that so much. So congrats to Trey Young and the Hawks. Speaking of the Hawks, they advanced to face now the 76ers, who knocked out the Wizards last night. Big storyline there is Joel Embiid is hurt again. So he's day-to-day with this knee injury. Um, if he doesn't play in the a series against the Hawks, the Hawks are going to win that series and go to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is insane to think about that the Hawks could do this. But the Hawks will go to the Eastern Conference Finals if Joel Embiid is hurt, they will. Um, you know, I watched a couple games ago with the 76ers and Wizards when the Wizards actually won the game. They were implementing the ha- the Simmons. This guy can't shoot free throws. He's a total liability. I said this on the podcast um, months ago that this should be implemented against him. Simmons. he cannot shoot free throws. And so if you have that, your two best players, one of them is a total liability at the line, so you can start to implement Simmons. The other one, who's actually your very best player, Joel Embiid, hurt half the time, they're not winning that series against the Hawks. So keep an eye on Joel Embiid. He's day-to-day. They've got some time off. They've got like four days or three days, four days, something like that before they play. So um, we'll see how he is. If he's healthy and plays, you know, pretty well, obviously the 76ers are the better team. They should win that series. But without him, it's a huge drop-off. You know, it's a huge, huge drop-off without him. So I would think that the Hawks would win. Bucks and Nets. This is essentially the Eastern Conference Finals. It starts on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to say the Nets win in five, maybe six. But these are the two best teams left in, in the Eastern Conference. Even though the, the the 76ers were the one seed, to me, these are the two best teams in the East. Um, I think I might have just said West. But two best teams in the East are the Bucks and the Nets. And this one uh, starts Saturday. Uh, I said that. And so I'm going to say Nets in five, maybe six, but probably five. The Nets look like they're pretty unstoppable. Okay, now for the Lakers. This is a closeout game tonight for LeBron. Or an elimination game, rather. Not a closeout game. It's He's facing elimination. It's a closeout game against him. Um, this is another chance for him to show us something. You know, if he wants to be the GOAT, if he wants to, like, overcome some of these, you know, negative aspects of his legacy, then tonight's the chance to do that. If he just if he's content being top five, then cool. Take a, take a bow in the first round, and you can remain top five. No problem. If you want to be the GOAT, though... Tonight's the night you got to rise to the occasion. It's one of those nights, you know, rise to the occasion, get your team back in it. It's at home. So this is an interesting game because advantage LA in the following it's in Staples center it's home game. They have LeBron James, best player in the series advantage LA. Um, the Suns are extremely young and inexperienced. They're two of their three best players. Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton have never played in the playoffs and they're about to find out just how hard it is to close a team out. And the other guy who's most important to them, Chris Paul, a little bit banged up, 
And he's been on teams where they've had a really hard time closing teams out. He's not, not proven to be very good at it himself. So advantage Lakers there. It's hard to win that fourth one. That's how you see teams come back from down 3-1. Um, so advantage Lakers there. So to me, the Lakers have a lot of advantages going into this game. The disadvantage is I don't think Anthony Davis is going to play. And without him, they're not very good. You know, So I'm going to say if Anthony Davis doesn't play, which they still haven't decided. I've tried to check. They still haven't said, but at the, at the moment I'm recording this, they still haven't said if, if he's going to play. Um, if he doesn't play, then it's over. The The Suns win this, close it out in six, and move on to the next round. Um, but this is a chance for LeBron to do his thing. And my buddy Travis Prince, he's a, uh, sent me a story. On, it was actually a TikTok, which I downloaded. I'm going to show you here on YouTube. You'll be able to hear it at least uh, for those listening. But this is a story, a Michael Jordan story, the type of story that would just never come from LeBron. Just going back to how he's just not MJ. LeBron is not MJ. MJ is the GOAT for a variety of reasons, but this is one of them. Have a listen. So, yeah. we're winning the game. Right. We're up by eight points. And uh, one of our teammates, Derek Martin, had been in L.A. with Mike when he was filming Space Jam. It was the summer before. He, it was the summer after he filmed Space Jam. Okay. We're up eight. Mike is four for 16 from the field. He's having a really rough night. Right. So Derek decides, because there's about 10 minutes to go in the game and we're winning, he decides to say to Michael Jordan, who's having an off night, hey, Mike, shit's not falling tonight, Mike. You're having an off night, Mike. Really? 24 points in the last 10 minutes. His last jump shot, this is no lie, he catches the ball in the post. He does the typical Jordan fadeaway. He's fading towards our bench. He knocks down the shot. They go up by six. He turns to the bench and says, shut up, you little bitch. I love that story. That is such an amazing story. That is such a Michael Jordan story. And that's a story you're just not going to get out of a LeBron James. He doesn't, he doesn't have that killer instinct. He doesn't have that assassin mentality. He doesn't have all those intangibles to just make him the ultimate champion. He has extreme talent at basketball. He's very smart. Uh, his basketball IQ is very high. His his ability to pass, shoot, dribble, defend, rebound, all of it are elite, you know, elite, which is, makes him top five all time. But those are the types of things that he's missing. Um, so I love that story. So then Travis texted me. He said, LeBron has annoyed me more this year than ever. There's a couple of key points. He's boring to watch unless he's really, really trying. His game is essentially on autopilot for 38 minutes, and then he'll do something insane like the three he hit on Golden State in that play-in game. Two, he plays up to drama and the cameras so much, and it is so lame. Uh, the whole Draymond poking his eye thing was so pathetic. So this is what I've talked about. You know, he, he is a drama king, you know, as I've heard him called by Skip Bayless. Um, he is, and I've said that before. He, he cares more about image than he can, seems to care about winning. But winning matters for your image, so he cares about winning. Like, he's won enough to where, like, Brad Cahoon, my friend, tweeted at me, everything else from here is just an encore. I think LeBron feels that way, too. But deep down, that's how he feels. But then he's like, ah, oh, but I care so much about my image and being the best. I kind of have to win more to to bolster that image. Like, I think he's playing more for image now than he's playing for, for actual winning. That's really how I feel. So that's my take on LeBron. Okay, this is going a little bit longer than I thought. But one more thing. Um, big series tonight, uh, big game tonight, rather, in the Nuggets-Blazers series. Elimination game for Dame and the Blazers. Brian Windhorst had an interesting take. He said that Damian Lillard's post-game interviews are reminding him of LeBron's interviews with the Cavs before he left uh, for Miami. 
I believe for Miami, where he's just reaching a point where it's like, I know I'm one of the very best players in this league, and I really want to win a championship, and I just need I need a little bit more help around me to do it. Like he knows that he's good enough, he's clutch enough, like he has what it takes to be a champion. You can't do it alone though, and I think he's reaching a point where maybe he said he wants to be a Blazer for life. He has said that, but man, if they lose tonight, first round exit, how many years do you want to spend of your career, Dame, in your prime, losing in the first round? How many times do you want to do that, or not even reaching the finals? You know, um, he's got to be thinking that. We saw we saw this out of Kevin Durant. We saw him say. You know, why is everybody moving to these super teams? You know, why is everyone moving to Miami? Well, we got to compete and beat these peoples. Well, now he's the guy that's like joining every super team he can. Oh, I'm Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, here I come. Kyrie and James Harden, here I come. But he's winning titles. He's going to win another one this year. This will be his third. So, and he's going to retire. He's going to retire with you know three, four, five championships. I don't know how many of the Nets will win. And he'll have all the stats to go along with it, and nobody's going to take that away from him. He'll be an all-time great. If you you don't want to be a Charles Barkley, you know, you look at the TNT set, and Charles is the guy that everybody knows was an all-time talent. Everyone knows Charles is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But he's consistently reminded that he never won a title, and that sucks. That sucks. So how, I don't know how much longer Dame wants to do that, um, but we'll see if they can get it done tonight. I think the Blazers will win tonight, and then it'll be a Game 7 in, in Denver, and I'm stoked for that because I'd put my money on Dame still. So we'll see what happens there. Um, okay, last thing. Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather, they fight on Sunday. This thing's like so bizarre. It was like postponed, and then it's like forgotten about, and then all of a sudden they have this big press conference in Miami where Jake Paul gets in there and steals, got your hat, got your hat, which was hilarious, by the way. Um Steals Floyd Mayweather's hat and a big brouhaha breaks out. And then we have like, haven't, it's like been just crickets ever since. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's here. Like it's on Sunday. Uh, the rules just came out. And the rules, by the way, let me know what you think of these. No winner or judges. Knockouts are allowed. Eight three minute rounds, 12 ounce gloves, no headgear. Duh. Um, 190 pound weight limit for Paul. So obviously, huge size advantage to Jake Paul or excuse me, Logan Paul. He's like six inches taller and I don't know, 50 pounds heavier. Like that's that's a big deal in boxing. Um, not to mention he's 20 years younger. So that's a big deal. But then you've got Floyd Mayweather, who's like the greatest boxer of all time in many people's minds. Um, not mine, but to me, it's Mike Tyson. But pound for pound, like the guy's 50 and 0. Like, I mean, he's got, he's, I mean, he's freaking Floyd Mayweather Jr., right? But no winner or judges. I mean, this is Floyd Mayweather making sure, like, look, I'm not taking... This is for me to make money. I am an entertainer. I am making money. This is not a boxing match for me. This is entertainment. There will not be judges. There will not be a winner. If you knock me out, great. But this is not a regular bout. They're changing the the gloves. They're they're changing the rounds. Uh, They're not having judges. They're completely different weight classes. Like nothing about it is a typical bout. And so it won't count against his 50, you know, even if he does get knocked out. But it will count, you know, in the court of public opinion, the public eye will definitely count this against Floyd Mayweather if he gets knocked out. So, or even if it just looks like he definitely lost. And he's not known for like super powerful knockout punches. He's more of a defensive boxer. So interesting to watch that. I'm excited for it. Uh, guys, that's all the time I have for today. That's probably all I'll do until Monday. So enjoy the weekend. Enjoy these playoffs. I am out. Peace. We got the we got the Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Cause we are